Good morning, worshipers. What a joy it is to see you in the house of the Lord today. Learn this song with us this morning as we worship together. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Just one word. What's broken inside me? Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch. We're open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can do There's not a mountain that He can move Oh, praise the name that makes the way There's nothing that our God can do Oh, there's nothing that our God can do There's not a prison wall He can believe this today.
us today. Amen. Amen. Welcome, church family and iCampus viewers and those of you watching by simulcast and other parts of our campus. We believe today that there is nothing God can't do in the midst of a pandemic that's hopefully ending and in our individual lives. There is nothing that our God can't do. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we want to connect with you and get to know you better. No matter if you're present here with us or watching on a screen somewhere, follow the links and complete the online connection card. How important is that online connection card? A family joined our church last week, and it was through that connection card we came to know them. If we can pray for you, please complete that prayer request section on those cards for us as well. We're grateful today that we stand on the solid rock of Jesus. He is our cornerstone. Let's worship and sing to him. Stand as we worship together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest
Amen. Aren't you glad that our Lord is Lord of all? Thank you, church. You may be seated today, and we want to take a moment to just go to the Lord in prayer. And what an, an amazing week, uh, blasting off a rocket into space yesterday. Uh, that thing moved fast. Got to see that, and uh, I watched the docking this morning. Some of you may have done that. Just an amazing feat to see those things coming together. So there's that great, exciting news of human triumph. And then in the midst of all that, there's just sadness and fighting and rampage and, and all of those things that we're seeing on the news in addition to uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic going on. And uh, it makes me realize the need for prayer today, how great we need prayer. And um, I was thinking about James 4, where James says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. If you want to have peace, you don't do it through violence. You do it through prayer. But you know, as I thought about that and I looked at all that's happening in our, our nation and I got to thinking, you know, we've been doing a lot of praying for awakening. And the, the, the landscape is ripe for awakening to come. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to push back against that. And that seems to be taking place. If he can stoke something anywhere, he'll do that. And so that then led me on down in James chapter 4 which begins what causes fights and quarrels among you, but then it goes down and that famous passage in verse 7 and 8 and 9, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. On down to verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's where we need to center our focus in prayer today is that people all over will come near to God and that he will lift them up, that God would bring about a transformation in everyone's lives, that they'll be drawn close to the Lord so that he can do a work. The only answer to everything that we're seeing in this day and time is revival and people being transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's seek his face in that way today. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now knowing that you see all that is because you are our Father in heaven. And we know, Lord, that your vision and your understanding of every situation is absolutely perfect. And Lord, you know. You know what's going on. You know the hearts of the people involved in what's going on. And so, God, we pray that you would speak to those hearts. Lord, for those who have done things that were wrong and unjust, for those who have then taken that as a reason to do even more wrong and unjust things, we pray, God, that all of them would be convicted by your Holy Spirit, would be brought to their knees before you. And God, we pray that they would come to a personal relationship with you. God, I pray that that the church of Jesus Christ would submit ourselves to you, that we would humble ourselves, that we would seek your face, that we would turn from our wicked ways and that you would in turn heal our land 
that, Lord, we would resist the devil and that he would flee from us, that he would have no room in our sanctuaries, that he would have no room in our homes, that he would have no room even in our lives. And God, we pray that because he would be cast out, you would have full reign and full direction and your kingdom can come and your will can be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven, that it can be done in your church on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray for a sweeping spiritual awakening to come. Lord, I pray for it for Stuart Holloway's life. I pray for it for First Baptist Church Pineville. I pray for it for all of Central Louisiana, Louisiana, the United States of America, and even, God, the world. Lord, I pray that brokenness would come. Lord, if we can't understand our need for you by being confronted with a pandemic that crashed our, our economy and, our, and brought our nation to a screeching halt, if we can't understand our need for you when, when senseless acts of violence are our only answer for unjustness that takes place, God, we've got to have you. We've got to have you break into us. And so, Lord, move in. Have your way, Lord. Transform us. You're, you are our only answer. Lord, it is only Jesus who can change what's going on. And so, Lord, we look to you. God, we look to the heavens. Not just where those astronauts are this morning, but way beyond that to the heavenly places. And we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we worship you today. And we ask you to reign in us and through us today, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. found in nothing else and in no one else than in Christ alone. Let's worship him together this morning as we sing.
sei disso. We do give the Lord praise and we pray that that would be the prayer that the Lord would revive us again through all of this time. What a song of celebration to be able to gather together and to sing on this morning in the midst of a pandemic and all of the other things that are going on. You know, I was thinking this week about some different things that are true if you're living in a pandemic. You might be living in a pandemic if your gas bill has gone way down but your grocery bill has gone way up. You might be living in a pandemic if you need social distancing from the refrigerator and the pantry. You might be living in a pandemic if you're all zoomed out. Can I get a witness? You might be living in a pandemic if you can find nothing else you want to watch on any streaming service and you subscribe to five. You might be living in a pandemic if your workout routine involves crunches, both in the morning and at night. Captain in the morning and Nestle at night. (laughs) You might be living in a pandemic if your favorite workout is diddly squats. You might be living in a pandemic if you've tried numerous new hairstyles, all of which look best under a cap. You might be living in a pandemic if you've improved your home so much, you now need a second job to pay for it. You might be living in a pandemic if your plans change daily. Wait, what is today anyway? And my favorite, you might be living in a pandemic if you're grateful that person who always has horrible breath now wears a mask. (laughs) You know, we have to laugh some because this has gotten so old and overblown even, but, but there's one thing that's for certain. God is taking care of us, and God will take care of us. If you haven't already, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, as we continue this series, Praying Through the Dots, with a message focusing on praying for our daily bread. So far, we've reminded ourselves of who God is That he is our father in heaven. And we've learned to place him first in our lives by petitioning him to hallow his name and to bring his kingdom and to perform his will. We have prayed, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So far, everything has been you and your. But now, we come to the first of three petitions that focus on us and our Give us this day our daily bread. Before we consider that first of these three petitions, I want to look at the group as a whole. Amazingly, this new section of this prayer focuses on every conceivable need people could ever have in just three petitions. Jesus, as you know, was a master of saying a lot with a little. He could make a major teaching with just a few words, and he does that here. You see, each of us is a living being composed of body, soul, and spirit. And our Heavenly Father knows that, of course, because he created us. And therefore, he gives us permission to ask him to meet every possible need that we could ever experience. Give us this day our daily bread. That covers our physical needs, every need of our body. 
forgive us as we forgive. That covers our mental needs, every need of our soul. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Covers our spiritual needs, every need of our spirit. Our Father knows that we are a whole being and that these three elements of our being are intricately connected. Ken Hemphill explains it this way. He says, God knows that the needs we possess in one part of our lives will have an impact on another. A constantly worried mind will put a strain on our physical health. A frequently empty stomach will cloud our ability to think clearly. A brewing angry temper will eventually show itself in acts of rage and aggression. You see, if we are to focus, if we spend all of our focus on the mess of life, we can't focus on the best of life, which is God's will and God's kingdom. Therefore, God encourages us to let him focus on the mess so we can focus on what's best. God knows that we can't handle the mess of life on our own. No matter, no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we strain, we still need God's help. Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father loves us enough to say, hey, ask me for the help you need. As any good and loving father, God provides for the needs of his children. The first need is the most basic, daily bread. Now, too often we probably pray this prayer kind of flippantly. Because honestly, we, we don't really think we need it. I mean, none of us are worried about where our next meal is coming from. Our family's picking up BJ's on the way home. I know exactly what we're going to do. I know exactly where we're going to get it. And if we didn't do that, our pantry, our freezer, and our fridge are all full. I just don't want any of that stuff today. You see, so for us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, we may not really see the need for it. In fact, for most of us, our problem is not having something to eat. It's having too much to eat. But those living in the third world countries, they pray this prayer with a sense of urgency, a sense of desperation. I think of the chicken coop of a house in El Salvador where I joined a family for lunch last summer. The chicken dinner that was provided by the mission that day, that was some fried chicken and some french fries and a roll, was devoured by that family. Every bone was chewed clean. Every crumb of bread, every stale french fry was eaten. Nothing was wasted. Now they weren't starving, but they were dirt poor. They didn't go out and buy chicken. They didn't pick up a pizza on the way home. They only ate what they could grow, gather, or trade. Seldom did they purchase anything. They need this prayer in the most basic way. Give us this day our daily bread. But what about us? Does that mean we don't really pray it? What, what does this petition mean for us in an affluent society? Do we just skip it? Certainly not. Should we just kind of change it to thank you for our daily bread? No, that cuts it short. This petition, I think, still means a great deal for us because it contains both a major truth 
and a focus. The truth is this. Our extraordinary God cares about our ordinary needs. Our extraordinary God cares about our ordinary needs. For several weeks, we've reminded ourselves that we serve a big, powerful, extraordinary God. And this first petition now shifts gears and says, this God that you've been praying about, this awesome God who is your Father in heaven, who is whose name is hallowed above all others, whose kingdom and will it is that needs to be done here on earth. This extraordinary God cares about your ordinary needs. Bread is symbolic of all of our physical needs. Our Father knows that life includes a lot. It includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it also includes clothes for your family. It includes shoes for your feet. It includes a home in which to live. It includes reliable transportation if you need to get around. It includes a job where you can earn income and a whole lot more. I mean, didn't Jesus even say man cannot live by bread alone? Now, certainly in context in the temptation experience with Satan, Jesus was saying you need more than just physical sustenance. You need spiritual feeding as well but the physical truth is there also man cannot live by bread alone what good is a loaf of bread in a rainstorm if you have no shelter what good is a loaf of bread in the middle of a desert if you have no water you might think there's nothing spiritual about physical needs how's paying your mortgage or rent or eating a ham sandwich or repairing your toilet a spiritual experience In fact, that last one may make you get a little bit unspiritual sometimes. Remember, for a Christian, there's no difference between the secular and the sacred. Even that toilet is given to you by God. The most routine matters of life demonstrate that our extraordinary God cares about our ordinary needs. God knows our physical needs must be met. He knows you cannot focus on living for Him If you're barely living yourself, you cannot go and preach the gospel if you're hungry and thirsty. You cannot be obedient to tithe if you have no income. You cannot share with others if you have nothing yourself. Your ordinary basic physical needs must be met and God promises to meet them. No matter what your need, God can meet it and he wants to meet it. Do you realize That before mankind was ever created, God had already provided everything for us. Before God ever scooped up dirt and made Adam, God had put everything on this earth that man needed to live and to survive and excel. If God did that then, he will do it now. But even more, think about what Leanne McCoy writes. She says, God's love for you was demonstrated with extravagance. He gave his only begotten son to redeem your soul from death, to draw you into a personal dynamic relationship with himself. Then the question, how will he not eagerly address your basic needs? If God did all of that for your your spiritual needs, won't he also meet your basic needs? And do you know how he meets those needs? Through Jesus Christ. 
Remember Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Our extraordinary God cares about and meets our ordinary needs. Let me show you something else amazing about this petition. The only other place in the Bible where the request, give us bread, is spoken in the Bible is John 6. The previous day, Jesus had fed the 5,000 people with bread and fish. And this next day, Jesus had gone across the lake, and the people find him there, and they're looking for their next meal. They looked at Jesus like he was Ronald McDonald. He could give them the next meal they needed. And so they came to him, and they were wanting this. And Jesus says to them, the bread of God is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. And the Jews respond, well then, sir, then from now on, give us this bread. And you know what Jesus' reply is? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, their focus was physical sustenance, but Jesus turns their attention to himself as the one who can truly satisfy. Here's the application of that. You can be content with far less physical stuff when you have the spiritual stuff squared away. When you find your satisfaction in Jesus, your physical needs diminish because you realize that a whole lot of your needs were just wants. And when your wants no longer satisfy, you no longer want them. Interestingly, when Jesus is your bread, your needs become aligned with his will. And when your needs are aligned with his will, every need is met perfectly because every need is in his will. Even beyond the basics of physical sustenance. And here's what I mean. If God calls you to prepare for a particular calling, for instance, he will provide for that calling through finances or the other help you need. He'll give the relationship that helps you make the connection that gets you to the right place. He'll give you the money that needed to, to get the education, whatever it is. If God calls you to a particular task, he will provide everything you need to fulfill that task. A need that's according to God's will in your life may be far beyond a $1 loaf of bread. Don't we wish a loaf of bread was just a dollar? It may be a $10,000 scholarship. It may be a $100,000 piece of machinery. It may be a $10 million facility. The needs depend on the calling, and God meets our physical needs from the most basic need of food and water to the most staggering need to pursue his calling. He meets our needs. When Jesus is our focus, he meets every genuine need you have. Now, you need to make sure that your genuine need is a genuine need. Uh, this is not a prayer to insist that God treats you to a certain level of lifestyle. It's an expression of total dependence on God for each day's provision, what he desires for you. And when we pray with this kind of perspective, we can pray to him knowing that he is not only aware of our needs, but also able to meet them, and he desires to meet them. 
When he meets them, we're reminded of everything the first part of this prayer said, that he is our heavenly father with a name that deserves to be hallowed and that his kingdom and his will is coming and being done in our lives. Way back in Exodus, God provided daily manna for the people in the wilderness between the time when they left Egypt and they went into the promised land. But not only did they have daily bread, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. God provided for their daily basic needs. And in Deuteronomy 29.6, we find the reason for this constant provision of daily basic needs. Deuteronomy 29.6 says, God speaking, I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God's provision reminds us of who he is. Pray, give us this day our daily bread confidently because God has promised abundantly. Not only is there a truth in this little prayer, but there's also a focus. And that is this. When we focus on his kingdom, God manages our kingdom. Notice that this prayer and the two other personal petitions Follow the focus on God's kingdom and God's will. Our petitions for us must start with our petitions for him. That sets the tone for true and powerful prayer. It also sets the tone for powerfully answered prayer. Jesus promises that if we will focus on his kingdom, then he will personally manage the affairs of our kingdoms. Surrendering our kingdom and focusing on God's kingdom brings about a lot of benefits to us. For one, we gain proper perspective because we realize that everything comes from him. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. There is not a thing in this world that is eaten, that is crafted, or that is used, that did not begin with something God provided. Think about that. That rocket that blasted into space yesterday, it began with things God created. If nothing else, then the human minds that work together to achieve it. The resources of this earth given to us by God provide everything we need, and that puts everything in perspective. But we also, through this prayer, learn to trust God for each day's amount. Because if God is managing our kingdom, we can know we'll be taken care of. The money will come to pay the bill. The help will come to make the repair. Certainly, a focus on each day's provision does not mean that we shouldn't plan wisely or save money or invest well. It does mean, however, that, that we can't allow a reliance on our own income potential to take our focus off of God or for us to constantly worry about the distant and unknown future and try to do everything we can to prepare for that uneventual thing that might happen. Instead, we trust God for each day's amount. And when he provides more than we need, as he does for most of us, we share it. Or we invest it so we can provide for our families and for his kingdom's work. Another benefit that we get when we pray this prayer is we learn to work with God to meet our needs. I really like this 
emphasis. Because this prayer does not teach us to sit on our couch and wait for the bread to fall out of the sky. We're not told to sit and wait for the money to come to your mailbox and just take it. You're supposed to work for what you have. Yes, in Matthew 6, just a little bit later, Jesus says, look at the birds and the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin, but they also don't just sit there either. Birds go looking for food. They don't just sit in their nest and wait for a, a bug to land or for a berry to somehow land up in their nest. They go out and fly. You want to see that? Come see my blueberry bushes in my backyard. The birds are working for the food that God has provided. Even flowers, they have to bend themselves to the light. And they have to reach their roots down into the soil. But when God's bountiful provision meets our blessed work, we find that our needs are met more than we could imagine. And as that happens, we see another benefit, and that is we release worry. If God is managing your kingdom, you have no reason to worry. None. Even when you lose your job, even when your hours are cut, even when there's too much month left at the end of your money, what do you do when those times come? You pray, give us today our daily bread. You don't bring that worry into prayer. You release that worry through prayer. I love how Chuck Quarles expresses this. He says, anxiety wrings its hands. Faith folds its hands. Anxiety paces the floor, but faith kneels on the floor. Prayer is an exercise of faith, not a display of anxiety. How many of you know that sometimes our prayer closet can be where we express more worry than ever? It's almost like we feel like that's a spiritual discipline. We worry forward in prayer. Worry and prayer don't go together. You leave worry when you pray. Prayer is not a waste of time, no matter what Satan may try to tell you. Pray. God will provide. You have no reason to worry. Worry does nothing but give you ulcers. Besides, think back. In all the things that you've been to, especially if you're a believer, has God ever been unfaithful to you? I mean, even when you didn't have everything you need, you wanted, has God ever been unfaithful to you? He always comes through some way, somehow. Another benefit of all this is we find contentment. When you focus on God, what you really need, the number of things you need diminishes. That doesn't mean you live in a cardboard box and eat dry ramen noodles for every meal. I've known those several very wealthy, yet content and kingdom-invested Christians. I've also known some very poor, yet content and kingdom-invested people. The common thing between the wealthy and the poor that I'm talking about was contentment and kingdom investment. As Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Another thing we find, a benefit, is that we remain dependent on God. That's because when we have an abundance, we tend to lose our sense of dependence on God. We even sometimes stray from Him because we just don't feel like we need Him as much as we used to. Despite God's warning of this, the Israelites still drifted after they became fat and happy in the promised land. In Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, we have a prayer offered by a man named Agur, and he seems to have known the challenge of contentment and the danger of drifting from God in prosperity. He prayed this, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of of my God. Agur wanted to stay in that middle ground where he had his daily bread and where he was also content and where he was also dependent on God. We must not quickly forget the one who fills our barns. We must be grateful and gracious and content. Even the hardest working person or the wealthiest person owes everything they have to God's provision. Even if they don't believe in God. Because Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. Another benefit and a final one. We learn to be selfless in our prayers. We learn to be selfless in our prayers when we pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Notice the prayer focuses on our daily bread, not my daily bread. We are to pray collectively, not selfishly. And as we pray for the needs of others, we will see the needs of others, and we might realize that maybe we are the answer to their prayers. And we can be the way that God answers their need. Our eyes and ears will be alerted to the needs around us and how we can be God's hands and feet to meet those needs. We can make the repair. We can pay the bill. We can provide the food or we can meet whatever need there may be. Like all the phrases of this model prayer, give us this day our daily bread has so much more to it than meets the eye. We're praying for more than a slice of white here. We're praying for God's marvelous provision for his kingdom's will and for his kingdom's glory to come into our lives for the glory of his name and for the purpose of his kingdom. If God is your father, he knows you. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows your bank account balance. He knows your struggles. He knows your worries. He knows your prayer list. He knows every single thing about you and if you have a need he will provide just pray give us this day our daily bread our heavenly father we thank you that you are our provider even in the old testament you revealed yourself as jehovah jireh or yahweh yireh the the lord our provider and we're so grateful for that Lord Lord in this day and time there are people who need your provision 
unemployment rates are tremendously high. Some even in our congregation have been hit by results of consequences of this pandemic and certainly many more in our region. And God, we pray for your provision to come. We pray, Lord, for this to also be a reminder to us to be good stewards of what you have given us and to be faithful with what you've given us and for us to be content and to remain dependent on you. God, all of us in this room are, are exponentially more wealthy than that little family in El Salvador. Lord, even the poorest among us probably have get more in a month than that family gets in a couple of years. And so, Lord, we want to just say thank you. We thank you for the provision that we know that we have. And, Lord, we want to be good stewards of it. We want to give back to you. We want to celebrate you. We want to just affirm that everything we have comes from your hands. Lord, we thank you that you know us personally by name, and, and we're grateful that we can come to you with any need that we have, any burden that we have in prayer. We don't have to worry it forward. We just pray it forward. And so, God, we come before you today lifting our burdens to you. Some of us are, are, are torn up and worried about things in our lives, and, God, we bring those to you in prayer. And we know, God, that you will answer. So, Lord, speak to our hearts now during this time of invitation and worship. And we pray, Lord, that you would draw us closer to yourself. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have this song of worship and, and also a time of invitation. And if it's your first time in, in the sanctuary here, the way we're doing invitations for now during the uh, time of social distancing is if there's a decision that you need to make this morning, if you just come down and, and take a seat on the front pew and then I'll talk with you after the service but it may be also that that you need to come and seek the Lord in prayer there's there's nothing wrong social distancing wise to come into the altar and lifting up a need to the Lord it may be that you're at home and, and there's a need for provision in, in your life and I'd encourage you to kneel right where you are in your living room in your bedroom and seek the Lord right there and ask him to provide and to speak and, and give to the needs of your life God has a way of speaking to us when we come before him in humility and brokenness. And so we want to do that here, and we want to do that in our other venues, and we want to do that in homes all across America even that are watching us today. And so as we sing this song, focus on the fact that God knows you and lift your needs to him. As we stand and sing here, as you sing and you pray there, we do business with the Lord today.
thank you for being here today. We pray for you every day. We love you. We're grateful that you've been here with us today. Let's close in prayer. Stephen James, come pray for us. Stephen is our iCampus pastor. He's the one that responds to all of our notes on Facebook. Stephen, thank you for what you do. Come pray for us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to meet again and worship you. Thank you for a great message. And as we leave here and head back into this world that's full of chaos, we know that you're in control. Please keep us safe throughout the rest of this week until we meet again. In your name we pray. Amen.